Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. Johnny's here. And Niels, welcome. And today we have a special episode for you. We are going to be talking about Glenmore 2 coming out from Fun Tales game. And we are so excited to welcome Niels. All right. Hey, Nils, thank you so much for coming down to Meepletown. We are so excited to have you on. Back in uh, about a month and a half ago, we did our, our top five games that we're looking forward to in 2019. And on my list was Glenmore 2 because I really enjoyed Glenmore 1 and I had been trying to keep up with some of the information coming out on Glenmore 2. You reached out to us and, and offered us an opportunity to play the game. That's why we're going to be talking about Glenmore uh, 2. So yes, much. and thank you for doing that for us. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely, I will do. Uh, thanks for having me here uh, as a new citizen of this Meeple town here. Yay. <laughs> thanks so much. And I, I um, suggest we should have a little German village in your town. Is that okay? So yes, I yes, absolutely. From now on with my folks here in Meepletown in Germany. So I'm switching back to German. Is that okay for you guys? Perfect. Yes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> hello. We my are German Meepletown here. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, okay, good. Let's get back to English. I think that's better for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, uh, let's talk about uh, Fun Tales, Glenmore, and myself a little bit. So I'm obviously from Germany. Uh, however, I used to live in the United States for a while. And I'm in this industry and this uh, board game industry around since roughly 10 years. And when we moved back from the United States to Germany... Um, I contacted some of my folks and we started to founding a new company, which is Fun Tales Games. And yeah, at this point, here we are with our first game. So we obviously tweaked a little bit about the game. So, but most important is, so I'm back in Germany in my home country and still love my U.S. folks. Yes. All right, Niels, tell us. Now, Niels lived in St. Louis. Is that right when you were here in the U.S.? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. That's correct. So uh, is there anything that you miss from the U.S. now that you're in Germany? A lot of. A lot a of. Lot. Yes. Lot. I think the main difference is um, Americans are, in general, very open-minded, very enthusiastic, uh, and Germans are usually grumpy, overthinking, over-engineering everything. And <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, it game. <laughs> it, it, yeah, but it's incredible how easy you can adopt the American way of life. But I bet whenever you were here, you missed a lot of things from Germany, right? Well, I'm usually not trying to compare too much which, which is better <laughs> and which not. Uh, I'm usually saying it's different. I like that. But uh, I have to say, and I have to add, America makes it very, the people, not America, the people in America makes it very easy to love and like them. So that's very easy. In, in Germany, for an example, language. So I'm obviously not a native English tongue. How can I? So this is my second language. I have some issues with the language here and there. That's okay. 
And Americans are forgiving in that. They like it. Oh, you have a different accent. That sounds interesting. That's something new, fresh. And in Germany, we would say, oh, you're not speaking perfectly German. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a different mentality. Oh, so I better not try to learn a little bit of German and go over there, or I'll be one of those silly Americans, won't I? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Did you read it? Do you really think Americans are silly? Uh, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> we are, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I like being silly. I like being silly. <laughs> so, hey, Nils, um, I was going to ask you, like, let Meeple Town know what kind of board games, what kind of games do you enjoy playing? What What are some of your favorite games? Yeah. Okay. Let's let's uh, split that into two parts. So, my bed, uh, bread and butter games. So, what I was growing up with and what I really still love and like are engine builders like power grid is one of my top three of all times. Wow. Um, so heavier euros is um, right up my alley, but I have to admit that it really depends. It boils down to the group I'm playing with. One of my favorites from the United States is uh, from Smirk and Decker. It's called dead last. I don't know if you're familiar with the game. I haven't played it. Have you, Dean? No, I've heard of it, but that's about it. Yeah. It's like cash and guns in super fast. So Ooh. you have 7 to 12 players, and each single way of communication is not even allowed. It's appreciated. So showing cards, giving signs, kicking someone under the table, everything goes. And you make a decision who has to die in the group, and mm. Either you are with a pack, then you're still alive, or if you are not with a pack and just killing someone who is not the majority, you're also dead. So you have to be in the majority. Therefore, you have to show the cards and talk to each other, but you will be betrayed at some point. There is no, no way around that. And when you are out of the game and you prepare the next round, you start even communicating with whatever you have as an ability to communicate. Uh flickering an eye, showing cards, flipping, betraying, all of that. And that is so far off from a Euro game. But you but like it. Yeah, it's so much fun. It really depends on the group of people. And then I would say I play a lot of games and they don't have always the same direction. That's something that Dean and I talk about a lot is that the group that you play with really does determine, you know, kind of the path that you're heading down. I think Nils, I think you and I could play a lot of games together and enjoy them because I'm a big Euro game fan. But sometimes you just don't have groups that enjoy those games, you know? And especially if they get heavier, they're just like, uh, sad for me, but hey, then I end up getting and purchasing more games that are a little bit lighter and stuff just because my group doesn't enjoy them as much, you know? Yeah, or it's simply not the right time to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. as a beginning, if you're waiting for someone, so I'm uh, I was a teacher in uh, Missouri, not really a teacher. So I was part of a board game club for middle school kids. So oh, cool. I went there every single week and played with kids. And I tried to transfer that back to Germany. And I'm doing so right now, but I have three hours, consecutive hours in a row. And during these hours, the kids are ch changing. So it's not the kid who is starting in seventh hour is staying with me until the end of ninth. So 
I have to play games that are fast over and you can replay another round again and again. They are doing homework in the meantime. So I have to adopt kids in the middle of a game that definitely needs some different than just a strategy game for two hours. Yeah, I love that because even though I like a a great Euro game, I think my biggest joy in, in the board gaming hobby is getting people involved that may not have played games much anymore. Um, or uh, teaching them some new games that are really cool that they had never played and just kind of seeing their eyes light up and be like, oh, this is so much yeah. fun. I love it. Absolutely. Let, let's be honest. And hands down, I mean, what we all love, and I'm pretty sure all people of Meepletown like and love that, is exactly one thing. Sitting around a table and playing a game together. We are sick and tired of playing PC games Yep. A day in and day out, or PS2 or whatever, PS3, PS4, whatever that new hype is, simply because <laughs> you are dealing with humans. And that's yeah. what creates moments. That is absolutely correct. Yeah, and it's difficult to find that, you know, it's it's tough to find that in everyday life. And so when you when you can sit around a table, do something that you're enjoying, uh, have conversation, which is, you know, games like Dead Last, games like Cash and Guns and Good Critter, Good Critters, um, you know, where, where you're kind of forced into this interaction. I really enjoy those type of games for that reason. Fun fact about Good Critters. Do you know we have the same game and it's coming from Germany? Really? Yeah, but here in Germany, it's from a very, very tiny publisher. It's a one-man show, and it's called Tiefe Taschen, Deep Pockets. And it's a political parody here in Germany. So ah. you are try, you are playing a politician who... Politician, that's the pronouncing that's uh, right. I was looking for. And uh, <laughs> you are trying either to snack money and put it in your pocket or pass or uh, vote against laws. That's what you're doing in that game. Mm. Cool. And that was a little bit too above the comfort zone of Arcane Wonder, so they switched it into a different theme. Uh, makes sense. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. All right, well, Niels, we brought you on to talk about Glenmore. So, like I said earlier, Glenmore won. Well, that's not the only reason we brought you on, just because we wanted to hang out with you. But Glen, Glenmore that's, won. That's a true statement. <laughs> that is very true. We we enjoy uh, we enjoy having these conversations with you. So, um, but Glenmore one was great. Uh, I want to know how did you come about Glenmore two? Is this something that that you thought about and approached Matthias, or is this something he had been thinking about and you said, "Hey, I'd love to publish that." What 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 path did you guys go to get to this point? Yeah, uh, Matthias Kramer, uh, he published Glenmore one years ago. I think it's 2010, if I'm correct. And when it came out, he immediately thought, well, mm, that's not 100% exactly the game I wanted. There are some things he not super liked. So, and he was start thinking about... Uh, make the one better at some point. Um, but Alea Ravensburger wasn't too much interested in doing it and not making a second one. So and he worked on that for a while, but then it vanished. And three years ago, a friend of mine, Steffen, who is also co-founder of Fun Tales, um, he crossed paths with Matthias, and Matthias showed him this new, and the blah, 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 and they talked. So, and they start working on it. And from the early on, it was 
crystal clear for us that there are two or three things we really want to change. First of all, and most important, we don't want to make compromises on quality. So mm. quality for components and the game is top priority number one for us. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> that is great I news. Love, I love that. <laughs> so not bringing out an unfinished game or a game that doesn't have the graphics and the icons that we think is perfect or rules that are not really making sense or chronicles we are talking about chronicles later on that don't fit to each other so we took almost three years to work behind the curtain on these things and now it's time to get to the market and that said we took three years and we wanted to make no compromises on uh, quality on components and rules and the game um, we came up with a second thing we also thought, okay, Glenmore 1 is a great game, no question about that, but we don't want you simply to reprint that game. So, and Matthias had this dreams of what he wanted to change, and we've had also ideas coming up, and now we are in a really luxury comfort situation that we are five people at Funtales who are working constantly, a team of five people on just one product, and we are taking the time to make that product as best as possible. That's, that sounds great. You know, it, it seems like it's it seems like sometimes you you, tr you see companies that kind of rush games out, and you can really tell. Um, and I get because you know you have the hype built up, and and you know you want to keep that hype and get the game out when everyone's really excited about it. But but to hear you talk about it, you know, because you know reading the forums, there's some people that are just you know really really ready for this game to come out but to know that you guys have spent so much time for the on, on the quality uh to get the product that you want out there is it's pretty exciting yeah and, and nils let me ask you a question like because uh, we we do we do video review videos and different things like that and when you're producing something now i can imagine that a board game at this quality like you said three years all this work <laughs> hours and hours and hours poured into it. Is it difficult um, to find the time when you say, okay, now it's ready? Because I find myself being a perfectionist editing and going back over and over and over. And it's difficult to find that moment when I say, okay, is this good? Am I nitpicking things too much? Um, I don't know. How, 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 did, how did that go? Have, have you had moments even now where you're going, oh no, is do I I'd like to change this a little bit, but then it's gonna cost this much money. You know what I mean? Like how how did that yeah. go? Yeah, I hear you. Um and actually this question hurts a little bit to be fair and honest. <laughs> um we Germans are well known for over engineering some stuff. So taking too much time uh and not rushing a product and overthinking it again and again and again. And probably that's a little bit of my role to push it, to bring it out at some point right now in this company. Um, but yeah, that's true. Sometimes we are overthinking and they're getting another round of feedback and another round of feedback. But let's, let's go on to the point what I'm talking about. So for an example, what's really different and what make the difference between Glenmore 1 and 2 are two things. So the, the idea behind Glenmore 2 is we take one third as is. The good stuff, 
the rondell the market is perfect in the first game why do you want to change a perfect game you don't there's no need to mm. some minor things that are not perfect we simply wanted to improve so another third we simply improved like the end of the game was a little bit abrupt so uh we wanted to have a meaningful decision for each single player who and when do you end your game not your turn the complete game for yourself and um uh, another third is completely new which is the chronicles and yes. when we came up with this chronicles you can say mini expansions um there will be eight in the box in the kickstarter box and we came up with the idea of having these ex new experiences new tiles but new ways to play it every single time for an example we played a boat race together that's not yes. in the base game that's a chronicle or you have some uh, events historical events that's going around so you flip over cards and things like that and we took a lot of time to refine these chronicles taking a look that they match together and things like that so we have in the over the last three years i would say 14 15 16 different chronicles and only eight making it to the final product so nils let me ask you a little bit about the Chronicles. Like, who who had the idea? Because it's not every day that you get the board game with, as you're saying, basically all these mini expansions, which is I think is incredibly cool and will really uh, take the replayability through the roof. So, who who had the idea? Let's let's put all this and package into this really nice uh, box with all these different mini expansions. Actually, it was not really an idea, or it was not a. Uh, oh, we are doing it this way. It was a natural path we took. Huh. So we came up with this idea to change, that idea, that idea, and then it went into this natural, why not making this, that, and that all together and call that Chronicles. So the, the name Chronicles came very late, but we wanted to have some this idea is cool this idea is cool this idea is cool so one for an example will we we have single malt whiskey in it not regular more uh, whiskey single malt which is obviously the better whiskey everybody knows that um and whiskey has to age like wine or rum as well so and uh, we came up with this idea oh why not letting your whiskey aging and getting better and older that's great giving you more victory points and things like that that's cool and every time we we came up with a new idea like this that was essentially the born uh, the birthday of the chronicles so why making compromises on this goes in and that goes out no bring all of the cool ideas in and bring all of these cool ideas in tiny little chronicles. So then the name Chronicle was born. That's great. So you've talked about the the boat race, um, this whiskey chronicle. Can you can you talk about some of the other ones? Um, yeah, of course. Um, so another one will be uh, landmarks. So we will have, have landmarks in the game. That's in the normal base game. So you acquire Loch Ness, for an example. Everybody knows this about Nessie. So when you get the uh, tile Loch Ness, you have to sacrifice a Scotsman. So Nessie is eating a Scotsman. What a surprise. So, um, <laughs> But 
the card is just a card that's laying in front of you. And because we have this Chronicles, we came up with the idea, why not reusing that card again later on in the game and making a meaningful decision for each single player when he wants to flip it and take the action that is on the opposite side of the card. So um, now we are adding another layer on top in terms of difficulty and timing and your personal player decision when you wanted to have this tiny little bonus bonus boost. So yeah, and we came up with these ideas of, oh, on the other side, there is something. And then we named it as a historical uh, chronicle. So you have historical events. So whatever the battle for blah, blah, blah is happening. And then you get some bonus, things like that. So you flip over the card, and on the other side of the card, there's an additional effect. That is n- number three in the uh, in the mix. So let's uh, add one more for you guys. Thank you. Um, <laughs> or maybe two more. Um, another one is, for an example, um, we call that Hammer of the Scots, a.k.a. the Englishman. Uh, we will have an additional meeple, a black meeple, on the rondelle, And this Englishman is controlled by one player. Every time that Meeple is last in turn order, he takes an action as normal, controlled by the player who controls the Englishman. When he moves this Meeple to a tile, he can build the tile as normal, paying the normal cost, in addition to one gold coin, paying on an additional uh, tableau on the market. If you are placing a second tile, the same player or a different player later on, he has to pay two gold and then three gold. And as you probably remember, the market has only three spots. So at some point, instead of just taking a tile and place a tile, you can take the tile and trash it and take the gold. Obviously, this is a very, very, very powerful character, this Englishman, because technically you have two meeples uh, and two turns, double the number of turns, so you are fighting for the control of this Englishman. There are tiles in it that allows you to take away the Englishman from the other players. And all of these is based on making either meaningful decisions to the players that's above the original game or bringing player interaction to the game or adopting something that is new and not seen in the game before yeah one of the things that i, I really liked about going back to the boat race because um, that's the one we played with <laughs> in the original game well and and in glenmore too when you when you can take the action to move your uh to move your characters around to move your meeples around um it's not often needed. You know, you don't uh, you don't always have to move those guys around if they're already set in place. And so to have another another option for being able to move the boat instead of moving your people, I think is I think it's really cool because it it allows that extra layer of decision making, but also just something else to do if you already know that you're not going to move your meeples around. Yeah, correct. And that was technically the birth of this chronicle, to be fair and honest. We thought about that. Okay, in the first two or three rounds it happens more or less always that you sacrifice a couple of movement. But right, why right. later on in the game? Why you're staying where you are and you have this movement points and nothing happens? So that's 
some kind of warring. There's an easy fix for that. Uh, each time you can convert a move po movement point into gold, then gold is there's more gold in the game, aka the market is less valuable at that point. There are more resources. That's a problem for balancing. Um, so we decided to, there must be something more. And we came up with this, with this idea of the boat race. But also on the clan board, so on this second additional map that's in the game, there's also a mm, clan that you can get a victory point per sacrifice movement. So there are multiple ways to use your movement points in Glenmore 2 over Glenmore 1. Yeah, that's great. And that that extra board that was added to Glenmore 2, I think is phenomenal. I love it. I love having that extra layer. Like, like I said, Glenmore, in Glenmore 1, it's it's not that it's simple. It's just having that little bit extra, you know, is is a big plus in my book. But um, hey, I was going to ask you, Niels, was that something uh, Matthias wanted to do right off the bat? I think you said that there were several things that he wanted to change. Was that something that was in the back of his head for a long time? Or is that something that's come about um, uh, at a later time? The clown board? Yep. The clown board came up in the last six months. Wow. Okay. So the clamboard is fairly new for all of us. Um, that was never really an intention of Matthias. Uh, Matthias came up with the overbuild tiles and the persons. These two new additions are from the very early beginning on in the game. But the clamboard itself came up very, very, very late. And um, I... As much as I like heavy Euro games and games where you really can dig deep into it and think about it, you also have to keep in mind you limit your market with these things. So yeah. as the heavier you make the game, the more likely is that Walmart, Target, people are not buying your game anymore. Right. So we know we are limitation. Uh, we are limiting our market with the decision to make a game heavier. Yeah, and that's a a really important decision, I would say, as this is going to be Funtel's first release, right? Um, do Correct. we want to have this really heavy game, or do we want to make it, you know, again more widely available, and even um, even just getting more people involved in playing it, right? The heavier you make it, you're absolutely going to minimize or lower the the population of players that would get into the game. So, yeah. Number I learned in the United States, and that's probably a number that's new for you or old, I don't know, is only 14, 14% of the people who are buying board games even know that boardgamegeek.com exists. In wow. other words, 86% of people who are buying board games overall in North America having, haven't even heard that there's a board game page existing out there wow it's kind of crazy that we, you know we we kind of live in this bubble where we just make these assumptions that everybody's you know everybody knows all the new hotness that's coming out and very familiar with board game geek but that's uh that's that's a pretty staggering number that's that's exactly my point 100 you nailed it down exactly so we are limiting our market by 86 percent 80 that's a big number when we are going the heavy route over a game like uh, Splendor, 
Azul or things like that. They are easy to sell in every single Target, Barnes and Nobles, Walmart, etc. But a heavy right. game, not. Do you think, Niels, that Funtels will come out with some lighter games like that over the course of time? Or do you think you may stick more into the medium or, or heavier games? Or are you kind of open to whatever? Um, nice question. Thanks so much. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sounds like we talked about it before, but we did not. <laughs> um, actually, we have two more games in the pipeline so far. And one of the things that I'm really focusing on is, and that's, that was a birth name of the name of this company. So you cannot even imagine how complicated it is with three people, three co-founders to figuring out the actual name for the company. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Anyway, so we came up with the idea of Fun Tales, which is a little bit of strange, but we throw in the mix a couple of terms, words, wordings, you are using and describing the feeling around a table. Mm. And things like love, fellowship, uh, emotions, uh, stories, storytelling, and things like that. And then we came up with a tale, like story tale uh, thing. And But fun was always one of our top priorities as well. So, and we came up with the idea of fun tales. Um, and fun tales, like tale story, was already uh, booked as a web page, and you can buy it for 10,000 American dollars. Don't you hate when you guys, when you finally get a name and you're like, oh, we all love it. And then someone's got the website. You're like, no, no. <laughs> and we thought 10,000, it's not worth it. So we, we changed it to fun tales. And I imagined myself. Oh, cool. All those little tales from different animals as a logo. I, I saw the logo in front of my eyes. I saw the bush with all these different tales behind there. And also, I wanted to go the family route at some point. So I will make games that people buy, not only heavy games. On the flip side, our second game will be a heavy game as well. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I'm pretty excited about it. I can't wait to see. It. I mean, when Dean and I uh, got the chance to play with Nils uh, on Tabletopia, we really, 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 really enjoyed it. Uh, I uh, Dean had it on his top five list, and I remember whenever he shared the top five list, uh, I hadn't played Glenmore one. That's uh, just just let you all know I hadn't played it before. And now you we, know it was a mistake, right? I was a huge <laughs> mistake. Huge. I'm not going to hide in the closet. And Shame then, on you, my friend. Shame I on know. you. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Um, really. Dean started talking about it. And I remember saying in that podcast, oh, I, this is the one I'm most interested in. And then whenever he said that we're going to get a chance to play it, um, I'm going to tell you, y'all, this game is, is great. And I literally 100% cannot wait. Uh, to play this game. So I say that because I'm so excited about this to hear that you've got another one and it's a heavier game coming out. I am really excited about what you all are doing. I just, I can't wait to to play that. And But I guess I need to play Glimmore too before I start looking to the future. That's what we do in board game, right? It's all about what's new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a social bubble we are living in and we talked about a couple of minutes ago, right? I mean, we are always in for the new hype the 
latest game, we always wanted to be the trendsetter here, which is a shame because there are so yeah. many old games that are simply good as is, but yeah, that's the way it is. Yeah, and that's why with Meeple Town, Dean and I have kind of made a thing for every, I don't know what, Dean, every couple months we're going to have like a throwback episode. Last time we did it, right. it was Concordia and Transform Tra Terraforming Mars. So we want to make sure that we don't get on the hype train and and stay there because honestly, um, <laughs> honestly, I find myself going back to the classics. You know, I'll get in, I'll get excited about a game and I'll play it and I'll be like, you know what? It's not as good as Concordia. I'd rather play that, you know, or whatever it may be. So, which is oh, funny that we consider terraforming Mars a, a classic. And a I know that. <laughs> that's true. It's now, the world yeah. we live in. Yeah, you know what? True. I would exclude terraforming Mars. I'm probably the only one who's not a super hype fan of uh, terraforming Mars. I know that's a single uh, opinion. I know I'm lonely in the corner of that, guys. But yeah. <laughs> Concordia is great. I love Concordia it's easily in my top ten. Easily, it's funny. You I know, that's that that's game. our hobby because if if there's a game that doesn't really tickle your fancy, as we say, then uh, there's always something else out there. So you know, there, there's lots of games that people love, love, love that that I don't care for either. So and that's what and that's I, I, and I love that. Like I I do love terraforming Mars, but I could see. Um, why people might not enjoy it that much and and that's cool i mean i've i've stood up and i'll be m the only person in in my little corner um that doesn't understand the king domino hype <laughs> and i talked about that on the last podcast but that's okay if people like it i think that's amazing that they like it and they should like it and they should tell everyone about it king domino is a little bit too easy for my taste yes thank you it. thank you nils you're in my corner with me that i don't think it's a terrible game but I, do, but I do see uh, uh, that is a great game for the target. 100%. Yeah. I just uh, remember playing it the, the first time and just kind of going, that's it? It's like Azul for me. Azul is a great game. No question about that. It's not a game that I would play like almost every other day or every day. Uh, but from here and there, why not? It's 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 a brilliant game. It feels good. Everything feels right and smooth about the game. And if I wanted to introduce people into the next step of a game, Azul would be one of my definitely top five picks. But yeah, there's a little bit more for me on the yeah. market, a little bit beyond just Azul. Let me ask you a question based on that, actually, really quick. Um, is there a temptation to, uh, with Fun Tales, you're you know you're getting this uh, publishing company just rocking and rolling here. Is there a temptation to go towards those types of games because the market is uh, obviously you have a broader audience, or do you have that internal battle of I want to produce games that I want to play versus what more people would want to play? I, I, I don't know. How do you kind of make those, or how do you foresee yourself making those decisions? Um, I cannot see even a battle in that area. I think it's really important for a publisher. And um, maybe I will go uh, swing back for two or three minutes to um, my personal background. So I uh, worked for Atana, a US-based company, for four and a half years in the United States. And Atana's uh, most known uh, game is Tesla vs. Edison. So we had for a while just Tesla vs. Edison in the booth. 
And it's a $60 game, so it's a heavier game. You have to sit down for one and a half hours, two hours to play a game, make meaningful strategic decisions, but you limit yourself. And I figured out a lot of times even a single stupid game like Spotted can be so rewarding to a human when you simply play it with kids that I don't want to exclude myself and a company out of that experience. So in other words, Fun Tales will have in the future games that serves everybody, including family, including uh, lighter games, and not the market is dictating that decision, it's more the people. It's more that we wanted to reach every person and making every person happy and making for each single person a game. I could not have answered that question better. That's perfect. I <laughs> I love hearing that that it's not the it's not the market, it's the people. It's getting more people involved in playing games and and reaching to different even age groups and stuff. That's that's fantastic. I'm a father. I have a little girl. She's 6 now. She's not playing games at all, and it's really rare. I mean, it hurts myself each single day that she's not playing with Daddy because Daddy is playing almost every single day games. Yeah. That's my life. Uh, but I wanted to give her the opportunity to play a game that she wants to play, not that I think she needs to play. She has to say... Daddy, we wanted to play that game. I have a six-year-old boy, and if if I push it, you know, if you, if you push the push a game on him, he's he's done. You know, he he's completely out. He's but he'll play games if he wants to play them and if they're fun for him, which is exactly right. I I want to encourage that. You know, what what does he get excited about and just jump on board with it? Absolutely, and it doesn't matter if it's a good game in your personal opinion, if your little boy or my little girl like that game, it's a good game, at least for him or her. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to know that in a special way because my 11-year-old got Fortnite Monopoly <laughs> for his birthday this weekend. And I'm personally not excited, uh, you know, looking forward to playing um, just the gameplay experience, but I am very much can't wait to play with him and my other sons and have a blast. Yeah, but guys, to be fair and honest, it doesn't matter if it's, if they want you to play it, it's a good ga- game for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and why should I as a co-owner of a company saying, we only make this game and everybody has to like that game. How ignorant could I be? My face, I have all these expressions on my face right now. This like, how dare can I be to kids like that? <laughs> all right, Nils, I have a very serious question for you right now. Uh-oh. All right, so you were talking about your logo a little while ago. And so I pulled up your logo, the Fun Tales. And so two questions. One, did you did you do this logo? And two, what are some of these tales that I'm looking at? Because I cannot recognize two of these on here. Okay, um, well, that is a black spot in my heart right now. So first question, uh- <laughs> no, I, uh, I did not. So we have a graphic designer who is making all our logos, icons, etc. So, and he designed that. But the idea with this bush and all these tails behind was born inside the team, excluding this designer. 
So, and the tails should be from left to right. Uh, lion, pig, whale. Then it's getting either a tiger or, or how do you call it? Um, is it biber? Are you pronouncing it by biber? I think it is a tiger. A tiger. I think, yeah, yeah a tiger. No, no, no. This, this, guy, this guy who is building out of uh, trees, dams in the river. Oh, a beaver. Beaver. Oh, beaver. Okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, and the last one is dragon. Oh, it's a dragon tail. Okay, gotcha. All right. The world famous dragon tail. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, get us a little, you a little have, off you track You have seen there. a dragon in your life before? <laughs> Just not a gray one with purple spikes, I think. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> we need to go to Germany to see the dragons yes. in Germany. I don't know if we really have a lot of here. Sometimes they are flying uh, here around in my garden, but that's very rare. We <laughs> <laughs> oh, have to go to um, this island in the north from uh, how, you tra- how to train your dragon. Yes. There are a lot of dragons. That's right. We like we like how to train your dragon. My little girl is addicted. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. It's great. Was that good? The answer for you with the tails and the. Oh yeah, that, that was great. Sorry, that was a little <laughs> sidetracked. But uh, the other thing I wanted to get back to just for a minute is I think you mentioned that there might be another, um, and we can edit this, but I believe you mentioned that there was another chronicle that you wanted to talk about. Um. So there will be definitely another chronicle. And I already mentioned we have signed our second game. We are working on a second prototype. We know the designer. We have a very good feeling and idea what the game looks like. And it's a mafia game. Hmm. So uh, we came up with this brilliant idea at some point that we will have guest designers for our chronicles. So the chronicles are not coming all of our own heads. So there are ideas from veterans of this industry. I don't want you to reveal names at this point, but during our Kickstarter campaign, you will learn who some of these chronicles designed. That is so but cool. This one, I will give you an exclusive sneak peek here just for Meeple Town, is uh, one of the designers will be Ave Fühler. I don't know if you're familiar with Ave. He did Pagoda and... Uh, Oh, El, uh, not El Grand, um, El Gaucho. Oh, cool. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. And Takei. So, and he will be the designer for our second game. Uh, working title is now Capone City. Mm. A mafia oh, game. Cool. So we oh, are that's right about... up Dean's alley right there. I, I am all over this game. <laughs> I'm sold already. <laughs> we are talking about good old Chicago, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so, and he is designing a clan uh, in Glenmore 2 Chronicles, a chronicle that is the Mech Mafia. Whoa, cool. Uh, that's neat. And we wanted to feature a little bit that he uh, is bringing out the uh, second game, but also just besides cross-promoting, which is nice and neat, I think, but also giving him the opportunity to design a chronicle. Love I, love it. It. I love that idea that, that you're introducing different designers into that chronicle piece of it. I, I That's just really cool. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I don't want you to do, uh, even if I'm not saying the names, you should uh, definitely take a look what names we are revealing. I'm pretty sure you know one or two of them very, very, very well. All right. So, Niels, um, can you give us any information 
on uh, on the Kickstarter? Like any details, or even if they're vague, just just can you yeah. let us let the Meeple Town listeners know? Because I know when they're listening to this, uh, we're gonna have folks that are just chopping at the bit to play this game. Yeah, of course I can. Uh, even if the um, final day isn't hammered out so far, uh, Kickstarter for Glenmore Two Chronicles from Fun Tales games will be definitely starting this march so march 2019 we will kick off the game we have to hammer out some details and signing some contracts before we do so so make sure everybody get the information right from the get-go and not um on day 15 oh that big announcement is happening so we will be as open as honest as possible with timelines production lines and all of that however it's still a kickstarter so i mean uh, obviously the game is not finished when we start the kickstarter but we expecting that the game will hit the backers uh around october 2019 so you're looking at s and kind of an s and release around that time I wouldn't mention that uh, city, but yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's our release date, our internal release date. You can imagine uh, Gen, Con, uh, Gen Con is 62,000, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, something like that, say. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's what they uh, say, and, I think. Yeah. And Essen is 190, so it's three times uh, as uh, Gen Con. So it's really important for us, and we are aiming definitely for Essen, yes. Dean, we have Dean and I haven't been to Essen. Dean, let's just go ahead and book our tickets, huh? Let's go. Let's, let's go. Do you know do that it. I booked over the weekend my ticket for Gen Con? Oh, did you? Oh, see, yes. now, now he's selling us on it. Dean. I know it. <laughs> oh, that, that would be so... I've been I'm wanting to go. I'm coming to you guys. All right. Let's All right. <laughs> Yay. You come to us, then we'll come to you. How about that? Great idea. Great idea. <laughs> I can always offer you my uh, sofa. Hey, I... <laughs> hey. You offer me that, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, have you ever used couch surfing? That's cool. That's a cool experience. I can... <laughs> yeah, I'm into that. And let there... me know. All right. Um, we'll yeah, so we are aiming definitely for Essen. We know it's a little bit of, um, yeah, I mean, when you see what's in the box and you saw what's on Tabletopia already, um, it's... It's getting a little bit tricky, but we are pretty sure because we are all veterans in this industry, more or less, that we can make it. All right, Neil. So Meeple Town is fired up about this game. Can you give us the information, your Twitter, uh, Instagram? Where can we go and find out uh, all your updates and all that good stuff for Glenmore 2? I'm pretty sure the easiest one for you is funtales.de or funtalesgames.com. Okay. Both of both of that is the same page technically funtales.de is our so we have a different ending than just .com but anyways. So funtalesgames.com and then you are redirected to funtales.de. Sign up for the newsletter. That's probably the easiest one. The other option is simply go to boardgamegeek.com and look out for Glenmore 2 Chronicles. You easily find that game there. I'm pretty sure you can make a uh, link into your description and things like that. And um, then you easily find a way to get information about Glenmore 2 Chronicles. 
I mean, obviously ah. we have Twitter, we have Facebook, all of that, but it's all fun tales or fun tales games. You know what, Nils? I just signed up for the, your newsletter. So there you go. Perfect. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm signed up now. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. By the um, way, for, um, just to, to add some stuff, uh, we also did a little bit different on Funtails because we are a new company, is uh, we had a raffle for um, exclusive uh, Tabletopia sneak peeks for some of our newsletter subscribers. Oh, that's so, that's a great idea. So yes, so go gave... and subscribe. Go subscribe. <laughs> no, that was already gone. So, but uh, we are doing things like that. So we are doing some fun stuff, uh, just simply giving a raffle of a free Tabletopia sneak peek or things like that. So we appreciate our fans and followers, of course. But it's not legal to combine that with if you sign up your newsletter, you can win. That's illegal in Germany. Ah, that's good to know. So that is not, yeah, if you sign up, then you, uh, I don't even know what I'm saying right now. Just edit that out. <laughs> Just sign up. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> I was on their website and I looked at something that distracted me. <laughs> but it's, it's really crazy, even believe it or not. Uh, it's against our German laws that we can say, if you sign up for our newsletter, you're getting a $5 off for your next purchase. Really? Really? Huh. You cannot force someone to save money to sign up. So you cannot combine these two actions. Wow. Well, you can definitely do that here in the States. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's what everyone knows that. Yes. But, but that's another fun story. And that's the reason why I'm explaining it's uh, extraordinary long, simply because that's really interesting to understand how different markets, how different countries working. And that's probably something that is Meeple Town folks are also interested in to see that different countries have different laws, different. Uh, regulation, things like that. Well, hey, Nils, thank you so much for coming on the show. Look forward to to checking out Glenmore 2 when it comes out. And if you are interested, be sure to check out that Kickstarter coming out uh, next month in March of 2019. Thanks so much. And now you have a new citizen of Meepletown forever. So I will definitely move into Meepletown. Even if I swear to myself, never move again internationally. You got it. You hooked yeah. me. Yay! Hey, Nils, do this. Love say, it. can you say uh, thanks for coming down to Meepletown in German? Yeah, of course. Danke, dass ihr zu Meepletown gekommen seid. Vielen Dank, meine Lieben. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Meepletown Games, and connect with us on the Meepletown Guild, Guild Number Thirty Four Zero Seven, at BoardGameGeek.com, and also subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Town.